All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Get Unstuck, Live Happy and Free. We've got our guests waiting in the wings. This is your host, Rick. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, you can shush the kids out of the room. It is an adult show. We might curse once in a while. Please check out uh, the uh, links in the description. Pick up some great stuff from Studio 17 Designs. Uh, just search them up on redbubble.com. Uh, but hit that link below and please support those who support us. Um, they've got a bunch of great inspirational stuff. Check out their inspirational collection. So let's get right to it. As I usually do, I just welcome our guests right into the podcast and uh, I let them go ahead and do their own introduction, introduce themselves. So I make sure that I get their name correct and let them tell you where they're calling in from today and what is it that they do. So welcome to our guests. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Just got off of another podcast. So thanks so much for joining us today. Now, I want to say Nenya. Am I getting that right if I pronounce it that way? It's actually Nina, believe it or not. Actually, just Nina? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. So a, silent, so a long E and a silent I, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. My parents just like to be different. Ah, okay. Well, that's, that's a good thing. So uh, actually uh, it's nice and uh, you know sunny here in LA. How about for yourself? Where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from New Hampshire where it is currently three degrees. Ah, right. It is uh, kind of chilly back there. My folks are back there and talked to them yesterday. And yes, uh, indeed, it is cold. Well, um, as you know, this show is all about uh, helping people get unstuck, live happy and free, regardless of what situation they might be in and uh, feeling that they need some help with. I'm glad that uh, we have our listeners out there who tune in to get some more helpful advice, uh, you know, or listen to just life experiences of others that uh, sometimes just drop a golden nugget in their hand. And they say, wow, I never thought of that. Maybe I should try that. That might help me in my situation. So I just want to say thank you, Nina, for taking the time today to come on and, you know, be open and, and share about times in life where maybe you felt stuck and you just uh, wanted to throw in the towel and give it all up. Because I know certainly I've been, you know, at the end of my rope or standing on the, uh, you know, edge of the bridge saying, well, screw all this crap. Let's just jump off of here. It'll be much better that way. Um, and hopefully for our listeners out there, if you, um, you know, are in a really tough situation, um, just don't forget there is support out there and it can change and it can get better. Um, so I hope, uh, you'll hear some things today. that are going to help you out. Do check out, uh, all the other previous episodes. I'm sure there'll be something there beneficial for you. So I'll just jump into it with our guest today, Nina. I really appreciate it again. And, uh, I'd love to just ask you, um, you know, when there was times in your life where you felt, you know, I just can't do this anymore, or I don't want to do this, regardless of what kind of situation that was, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if any of those stand out for you um, or come to mind and what you did in order to uh, try and make those things a bit better for yourself. Absolutely. Um, so I was in an abusive relationship. I actually mm -hmm. met the, gen the man that I was being abused by when we were just 13 years old. So mm -hmm. we were just kids when we met but our relationship developed and I ended up marrying this guy. And the thing that I struggled with most was actually the fact that while all this was going on, I became a police officer. Wow. So here I am 
the person who's supposed to be protecting others. Mm. And I feel like I can't even protect myself. Wow. And so I would, I would go to work and I would feel like I had everything under control. You know, I was there for other people. I was there in, in some of their scariest and weakest moments. And then I would go home to this, to this house where I was being, you know, physically and emotionally abused and all of that. I, w- I didn't know who I was anymore because here I was thinking I was, you know, this, this good person, this person that was out helping others. And then at the same time, I would go home and I would feel weak and I would feel powerless and I would feel like it wasn't worth continuing on because yeah, how, could I, how could I do both? Yeah. I mean, what an internal struggle that must've been just, you know, the, my, well, just the internal struggle. I mean, I don't know what word is the correct word or, or what applies for you, but I can imagine in such a situation, you know, it's kind of, you know, you have the, the, gee, what the hell am I doing? You know, thinking of yourself and maybe, uh, you know, guilt or um, disappointment and so on. And I mean, I've, yeah, it's like, I'm sure it was just a, a lot of different things. Um, so I, I really applaud you, number one, for, um, you know, the work and effort you must have done since then, because I think uh, just, you know, I try to take a brief look at people's bio information, because I'd, I'd rather discover it on the show and chat with them about it. Um, but it seems like you're in a totally different and a much better place today um, than you were. So I'm just curious, um, you know, about that journey uh, that you had to take in order to, to, to get here. It was a long journey and it was hard because I felt like I was a hypocrite, first of all, because I would go to calls where I was speaking with victims of domestic violence and I would encourage them to get help and I would encourage them to do all of these things. And I wasn't doing those things. And part of it was because I was afraid to tell people I was a victim because Mm. I was a police officer. I didn't, I didn't have anyone I felt like I could turn to who mm-hmm. wouldn't say, I can't believe you got yourself in this situation. Like what's wrong right, with you? Exactly, yeah. And it took a long time for me to realize that it was okay, that I could still, I could still be a victim. Anyone can be a victim of domestic violence. There isn't one type of person that becomes a victim and that I right. could actually by helping myself, I would become a better police officer and a better, like be able to better service some of those Mm. other victims. Mm -hmm. So I did eventually, you know, break through and get myself out of that situation. And it took, it took a long time to reach this place where I feel very comfortable talking about it. I write about it in my, um, in my stories that I publish. And I do feel like being able to tell people I was a police officer and this happened to me. So it's okay that it's happening to you in whatever situation you're in has made a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I was just uh, listening to um, uh, another podcast actually um, that I would highly recommend to folks. It's called the happiness lab. And, um, it's a, a professor at Yale who basically went around talking to many other people in the field of, you know, mental health or well-being and, and psychology. Um, and, you know, one of the things that uh, 
I mean, I think it's a basic truth that we've all heard forever anyway about not bottling it up, right? Or stuffing it inside mm -hmm. or, you know, hiding it or, you know, trying to ignore the, the elephant in the room and all, and all of that stuff, you know, all those sayings are, you know, they're, they're true for a reason um, and stood the test of time. And um, it must have been so difficult for you to take those first steps um, I mean, it's hard enough when someone is just in that situation. I, I teach uh, a rape safe class for self-defense. Um, and a lot of that ends up being a lot of, you know, talking with people and some people who have, who have been through a rape situation already um, and trying to just mentally, you know, help with uh, mm -hmm. the confidence and self-worth again. Um, and then of course we work on the physical things too. And, and actually I teach at police departments and high schools and stuff like that as well. But um, you know, for yourself, uh, well, what I want to say was for people who have just had that situation and their work, you know, is, you know, they're an accountant and it doesn't have anything to do with protecting others, but you, you being in the line of work um, of, you know, this is you, this is what you do, this is your job. So, um, you know, having that, those two hugely opposite extremes in your life, um, God, I, I can't, uh, congratulate you enough for taking that first step. So I'm curious, um, you know, how did you uh, take that first step? Because I'm, all, I'm a big fan of, you know, just trying to give practical advice and tips to listeners out there who are saying, you know, who thought I can never talk with anybody about this, you know, I can never let people know this, or, you know, I can never talk to my parents about this or et cetera, et cetera, how you must have felt saying, well, I can't talk to my fellow policemen about this. Or, I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier that you, you assumed you were going to get, you know, that reaction, mm -hmm. like, well, how could you, you, you know, be in that situation when you're a cop, right? Yep. So how did you uh, not only summon up the courage, but um, I don't know if there was any you know, kind of steps that you took to make a decision or make a bit of a plan ahead of time of like, well, you know, I know I got to get some help with this, but I better do it in the right way. So I should, you know, try to research something first or take the test the waters in this area or with this kind of person, then test the waters with an, and to determine where it was safe for you to uh, take that big step. Absolutely. You know, I, once I came to the realization, because I, I was in denial for a long time, because of the fact that I was a police officer, I didn't believe that it could be happening to me. And it wasn't, you know, once I came to that realization and realized like, this is where I'm at. I actually spent a period of time where I was like, well, maybe it would be better to just stay in this situation and keep pretending rather than reach out to people and tell them and ruin my reputation and ruin, you know, people thinking that I'm this strong, independent person. And so I spent, I spent several months wondering if I could just keep living like this and in order to save myself. And I realized, I realized that, no, you can't keep, I couldn't keep living like this. If I continued, I was going to reach a place where I, I, was going to feel like I couldn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not glamorous. I ended up locking myself in my bathroom and I was sitting on the floor crying and just completely, I was at that breakdown point where I just, I was rock bottom. 
-hmm. And I was so afraid to reach out to my only, the only friends that I hadn't been isolated away from were my coworkers because I saw them every day. And I was so afraid to tell them because I was the only, the only female in my department. And I just felt like this was going to make me seem so weak, but I had nothing else. I had no one else to turn to. And I just felt so alone. And I ended up spilling my heart out to a colleague over text message. And I was so prepared for that response of, you know, I can't believe you're in this situation. Like, how dumb are you? And instead, I got, you know, exactly what I needed. I got response. The response was, what can I do to help you? How can we get you safe? Like, this is this we need to take care of you what do you need and that response was so important to everything that I did from then on because I realized I wasn't alone and I realized that I could reach out to these people and that people weren't going to think less of me it wasn't my fault it was his fault yeah and so that response if if anyone ever reaches out to you and asks for this kind of help that's what they need to hear they need to hear that you're there for them and they need to hear that you're willing to help them because that was what I needed to step out of that rock bottom place and go forward and make all of the decisions that were really hard after that because I knew I wasn't alone at that point yeah and for folks out there who you know I I've had the situation in my life where it's like well you want to go chat with a friend about this and you you have maybe the opposite expectation that you had, you know, I've had situations where I thought like, oh, well, they're my good friends. So, you know, I, that's a safe place to go to, or, you know, I had an Mm -hmm. assumption of the reaction and it was actually not what I thought or was hoping for, you know, and being a totally, you know, not, not good thing. Um, So point being for listeners out there is, you know, I would say, you know, prepare yourself um, that, you may have the support or reaction that you want that fortunately uh, Nina was able to get, uh, you know, with the first time of reaching out and you may get the opposite reaction. Like I've gotten in the past, uh, you know, with some good friends. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and I know it's easy for me to sit here and say, but don't let that deter you, you know, now just try the next person because of course it hurts like hell or it shakes your confidence or you think, oh shit, I've exposed myself to another human being. And, you know, all they did was shut me down, you know, didn't support me. And now I even feel worse or more uh, ashamed or embarrassed or whatever. Um, You know, all I can say is that it's guaranteed you'll stay in that feeling and in that place if you don't try again. You know, I mean, I just want to encourage listeners out there if you've ever had a bad experience in with reaching out to folks, just know that there are millions of people, you know, who who do understand. They may not have been in your exact situation. Um, they may not have been a police officer in a domestic violence situation. Um, but for sure, there are people out there who are willing to support, you know, willing to say, Hey, what the hell can I do for you? Because this is just not right. And I want to do whatever I can to help you. Um, you mm-hmm. will find that out there somewhere. You just, you know, you need to keep looking for it. And thank God, you know, in today's age, you know, you can search up quickly, you know, support groups online and, and Facebook groups and, um, you know, go to forums and anonymously, you know, just start to chat or get things off your chest or, 
test the waters, you know, with different people and, uh, and see where, you know, you think, well, this might be a good place for me to give it a shot and just take it a step at a time. You know, uh, it doesn't have to all come out like one big giant floodgate opening. Um, although if, you know, if people are at that point and, and I, I remember being at a friend's house where I was at that point and it just all fucking came out like a dam bursting. Um, and yeah. sometimes, sometimes that's what's necessary at that moment. Um, but know that, you know, you can take it a step at a time and test the waters if you are scared of, you know, the, the reaction that you're going to have. Um, and Nina, you mentioned writing, um, and writing is a great release as well. Um, and I'm just curious, um, you know, how your writing has helped you through, you know, all of this experience, number one, and uh, how can folks, uh, you know, that out there that are listening, um, I don't know if your stuff is published or it's online or, or anything like that, but how can people uh, hopefully benefit from some of your writing? Yeah, absolutely. So writing is, especially for me, super cathartic, whether that's keeping a journal or just, you know, kind of brain dumping onto a piece of paper, just whatever it is that you're feeling, sometimes just putting those thoughts into tangible letters that you can read, just makes some things make sense. And so I was always a journal journaling kind of person as I was growing up and, and moving on. And I had always wanted to be an author. And after I had done some healing from my relationship, I really wanted to share my story, especially with younger individuals, because this started when I was just a teenager. I mean, yeah. no one ever said to me to watch out for these things when I was a kid. It wasn't until I was much older that I started hearing about what domestic violence was and, and things like that. And by that point, the damage was done. So I have published two novels for young adults. Um, one's called He Loves Me Not, and the other is called A Picture Worth a Thousand Words. And they do focus on these kind of things in a teenage light and what it mm -hmm. looks like when you're just a teenager, how those things kind of start and how these toxic relationships evolve. And those are available online on Amazon and on my website. And it, it's not a true story. They are fiction, but a lot of the situations and the feelings are very genuine from my life. So that, that was important to me to be able to share with others and, and maybe help prevent my situation from happening in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And what's your website that people can check out? Yeah, my website's just ninacorcoran.com and it is spelled N-E-N-I-A-C-O-R-C-O-R-A-N. Um, and you can find me on Amazon and on that website. So I'm curious now, um, you know, having, I don't know if you're stayed in the force or you transitioned to a, a totally different field. Um, um, and for lots of folks out there, um, you know, we all have certain dreams in life we want to get to, or we want to have, you know, a certain job or a certain career. Um, and, I'm curious, number one, what got you into um, wanting to do law enforcement and particularly as a police officer, because, you know, that's a very hands-on way of helping people. Um, you know, what got you into that line of work? And then if you did stay in that or you are now doing, you know, something other than that and, um, you know, why you transitioned if you did. Yeah, I am still a police officer. I've been a police officer now for 10 wow. years. Congratulations and, and thank, thank you for you. doing that. I just got to say that. Wow. Thank that's, you. That's awesome. 
And I actually um, came from a long line of police officers and military personnel. So the hands-on version of helping people was just always part of my life. And I didn't see any better way of being able to interact with people and help them and be a part of my community than being a police officer. So it was never really a question of, um, you know, what I was going to do in my future. It was just, that was always the path. Wow. I mean, it sounds like it's been a fulfilling one and still is. Yes, very much so. You know, it is it's difficult at times. And especially in the world that we live in today, there's a lot of kind of controversy around it, but every single day that I go to work, there's at least one thing that I take home that I'm like, I would not be able to experience that in any other job. And, you know, it's things like I have little girls that come in just to meet me. Like they come to the police department because I'm working and they want to meet a female police officer and they want to see that that's a real thing. So, you know, I live in a small town kind of area. There are only a handful of women police officers in this area. And to be that kind of a, a role model for some of the young kids in this area is, is really great. And so even when people are, are saying, you know, hurtful things about the profession, I still have that mm-hmm. to hold on to. And that's, a, that's a really great thing. And it, it means a lot to me. Yeah, it must. Um, I was, I mean, as you were talking earlier, even before you said that about, you know, kids coming in wanting to meet you, I was thinking to myself, I was like, God, I hope you're out there talking at high schools and stuff like that. Cause if you're not, I'd love to take you on the road with me and like go to high schools together. And like, I would just like to sit there and say, and here's Nina, she's a cop and listen to this story folks. And, uh, you know, and be inspired. Like, yeah, this is good. Uh, so that do is, you, that do is you, something I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, I am hoping to start reaching out. I have obviously my, my, um, hometown high school is very aware of who I am I I spend a lot of time with them but I would love to you know go and speak with others and share this story you know my whole story about how I overcame this and am still overcoming it and the whole nine yards because I do think that it's something that younger people need to hear early on so that they can figure out life around them yeah, because it's a tough road, you know, to figure that out. I mean, for anybody, you know, who's in their teenage years or younger, I mean, even as adults, it's still so damn hard to navigate, yes. right? <laughs> so it's like, especially when you're a kid. And, you know, when you when you said earlier that you weren't even hearing about these kind of things or, you know, or domestic violence issues when you were 12, 13 years old, it wasn't until you're adult no. you're hearing about those things. And I think, oh my God, it's just so uh, important that somehow um, we do get these subjects out there. And, and I'm really glad that you're here on the show and that here is one way that those stories are getting out there, you know, so that if there's a 10 year old who's listening to us now, even though their, their mom or dad might have said, oh, you know, they curse on that show sometimes, so you shouldn't listen. But I hope <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a parent out there, you know, who's listening uh, and hasn't talked to their kids about certain things and they're wondering, should I or shouldn't I or when should I or, oh, well, the school will take care of 
that or whatever. Um, for parents out there, myself included, um, I hope that folks, you know, listen to your story and think about, you know, hmm, what what do I want to be sure, you know, my kids do know and when do they know it, you know, and and what's a good way for me to expose it to them? I mean. Picking up, picking up one of your books, you know, uh, on Amazon and, you know, and, and buying it for, you know, uh, their son or daughter, um, because it goes both ways and, uh, you yeah. know, for education. So um, that that's a way right there that, you know, people can start to broach subjects and turn them into conversation. So I, I got to say, I'm 100% behind you for you getting out there and, uh, you know, going to schools and, and doing that. I, you know, can vividly remember a speaker coming to my high school. And I think I was, I think I might've been in junior high, but we were allowed to go to the high school because this uh, speaker was coming there. And it was a detective from New York. They were an ex-cop from New York. And they, they were there, you know, just talking about life stories and making good decisions when you're younger and all that. But I mean, it was hugely impactful. I still remember the, the guy's name. I remember exactly, you know, the words he was saying and all that. And um, and you know, that just shows that, uh, what you're doing, um, has, you know, that potential to have such a great impact. So again, I say thank you, uh, for, for doing that. And thanks for being here. Um, another thing that I talk, you know, with, uh, my guests about is, um, you know, we all get in these situations, um, like, you know, um, the ones you're mentioning that are terrible and you get to the end of your rope. Um, but a lot of times uh, people just, they get into kind of a general rut, you know, and they might not be, you know, standing on the edge, you know, um, ready to jump, um, but they sure as hell don't feel happy and they haven't felt happy for a few years now. Um, and I'm just wondering um, if that's ever, you know, come up, you know, for you in life or anybody around you and either what you've done or others maybe, or just tools or resources, you know, you've heard uh, or maybe read up on, um, you know, that might be helpful for folks out there to try and figure out, well, why don't they feel happy, you know, and uh, what could they potentially do about it? Um, but a lot of times, you know, we sort of get into this uh, state of, uh, I don't want to say comfort or just like, well, that's the way things are and you accept things. And sounds like early on you were, you were asking yourself, even with such a terrible situation, should I just accept this or could I just accept this? So mm -hmm. maybe actually you do have some thoughts from that angle um, about how can you, you know, ask yourself some questions to figure out what is really not right here, you know, um, and then how do I start to change it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think the place where that hit me the hardest was actually after I left my situation, because mm. I think what you expect is you expect to leave a situation like that and then instantly be happy. You know, you assume it's going to be uh. the light switch and that you are going to get out and now you've done what you're supposed to do, right? You've gotten out of that situation. So you should mm. be happy. And it wasn't like that. And it's not like that because there's still all that healing that has to be done. And people assume that when you leave an abusive relationship that, you know, it's, it's always abusive. So it's a hundred percent better, but it's still a breakup. And there were good times and there were things that you loved about that person. And there were things that you're missing. Mm, yeah. And so when you 
when you leave that situation, you're still, you're experiencing a breakup, plus you're experiencing all of this kind of, this kind of whirlwind of emotions where your self-confidence is down and you're, you're wondering if you made the right decision and you're confused about, you know, why aren't I happy and why isn't this better? And so it's a hard time to try to put yourself first and try to heal and, and go through all of these things. And you're wondering, did I make the right decision? because I'm not happy. Mm. And so that for me was probably one of the hardest times because I had no, I had nothing to compare it to. And I didn't understand it. I figured it must be me because I should be happy. So why aren't I happy? And I really was, was questioning myself. I was questioning whether I made the right decision. I was questioning whether I was even in an abusive relationship, because if I didn't, if I wasn't happy right away, then maybe it wasn't abusive and maybe I should have stayed. And maybe it was just, it was something I needed to work out. And so I had all of these awful, you know, conversations with myself late into the night when I should have been sleeping and all of that. And it was, it was reaching out and talking to people. It was finding a therapist that I connected to and that I enjoyed talking to and was able to kind of explore some of these roots. And it was really just taking it one day at a time and allowing myself to grieve my, my relationship and allowing myself to recognize that not only was I getting over the, the emotional stuff, but I was dealing with the grief of losing someone that was important to my life for for 13 years. So, so that was probably the hardest time. And, And you do need to take it one step at a time and recognize that it is going to be a hard journey and that you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, that's a good, you know, good bit of advice there. They kind of managing your own expectations really. Um, um, yeah. you know, we all have this dream of, like I say, where we want to be or what our hopes are. Um, and, I mean, gosh, it's like, you can say to yourself, okay, well then I guess I better go to therapy and I got to do that for three months and then it'll be fine after that. You know, it doesn't, yep. doesn't necessarily work that way. Right. As, as uh, many of us find out the hard way. Um, and I think, you know, planning the outcome is probably not a good idea. Um, but having a plan, um, is a good idea, right? A plan of mm-hmm. how, to, how to try and get to where you think you want to be. And who knows, that destination might change and that's fine. Um, but having a plan and an outline that at least you can follow, you know, take a step at a time um, to get towards that goal. It's a lot better than just, you know, kind of struggling and, you know, wallowing around in the water and, you know, slowly drowning because you have no you know, plan of what to try first and then to try second and so on. So I would always recommend that to folks, Um, you know, being in law enforcement um, just to, you know, switch gears and put on, put on that hat for a minute, your police officer hat. Um, Do you actually wear a cap? Do you guys have to wear caps or do you have a cap? Um, so we do, I very rarely mm-hmm. wear it because it makes my head look funny, but <laughs> I see. Okay. So to put on your policeman's hat now, put on that hat. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, you must have a lot of experiences that are fulfilling for you um, because, you know, you're mm-hmm. making a difference and help helping, you know, people or helping animals, et cetera, or just the community in general. Um, 
And then I would think over time, since you've been there for a while, um, you know, maybe you have seen some things either in patterns or maybe you've seen even the same people um, in situations. And I, I would think that, um, you know, that, that you might have some thoughts on, because um, you have a unique perspective, right, on people who, who maybe have trouble uh, in their personal life or their emotional life and they are acting out in a not healthy way which ends up getting them in trouble right or they end up doing things that hurt yeah. them or somebody else and police have to come and get involved with that um so i'm just i'm just curious to ask you um you know if you were sitting in a you know in a high school full of kids because i want to ask this question from both you know if you were speaking to a younger group. And then if you were speaking to a bunch of parents, um, I'm just wondering from your, your work experience, um, you know, what are some of the things that you might suggest or recommend to a, a younger audience? Um, first off, let's just go there.